It's always helpful at the beginning of a formal sitting period like this to remind ourselves what it is that we'll be doing during this period of time. This helps to clarify our intention, our aspiration, and to expose any agendas that have attached themselves to our effort and our energy. So to remember that the practice of awareness is to recognize, to know, to observe each moment's experience as it appears. That's it. We don't need to figure out or explain. We don't have to edit or select. We don't need to prefer to try to make anything happen, to try to keep something from happening. These are all manifestations of some form of defilement, wanting a certain experience, not wanting another experience. So not only do we notice the defilements of attachment, aversion, confusion, in relationship to the experience, we know, we've seen, when discomfort or pain arises in the body, we feel irritated, we feel upset, we may get angry, impatient. When such a defilement arises, we want to turn our attention to the defilement, to recognize it, and to understand that by observing it, we observe the nature of aversion, we observe the nature of impatience, we observe the nature of attachment in order to learn about it. Sometimes in our effort, we negotiate with our discomfort or the defilement, silently saying to ourselves, I'll observe you as long as you go away or in order for you to leave. I'll give you five minutes or five seconds. This is not a willing, open reception of the present moment. So we want to look at these attitudes of the mind that are conditioning how we practice. What kind of interest, what kind of energy, what kind of intention are we bringing to our application of effort to be aware? Are we demanding, expecting, hoping for something? Are we braced against, tight against, resistant towards some experience? Are we leaning forward into the next moment? Are we hanging on to the past moment? So we want to keep checking our attitude towards practice. We want to keep an eye on how we're practicing, the energy and motivation of our practice. Often there are defilements embedded in our efforting. Given all that, settling into the body, relax the body, relax the mind.
see if there's a willing receptivity of the present moment. Are you willing to experience this moment just as it is? Or is there some clenching, holding? And as the present moment makes itself known, What's the quality of relationship you have towards it? Is there liking it or disliking it? Is there some indulgence of it or resistance to it? Does it kick up a lot of thoughts that need explaining, figuring out, commenting, evaluating? What can you just see Due to causes and conditions, this has arisen. It feels like this. And notice what happens. Does it shift, change, morph, get stronger, get weaker, disappear suddenly or gradually? Sustaining our attention on the moment's experience that has arisen will reveal to us just how long it actually lasts. And this knowledge is important. Use your primary chosen object or random objects that happen to call your attention. Recognize what you can let the rest go by and be willing to refresh your attention many times throughout a single sitting, shaking the cobwebs, the stupor, the dullness out of the mind to take a fresh look at what may be very familiar, but seen for the first time. Do the best you can without struggling and let that be good enough.
So, <clears throat> so what do you have to report from the Dharma front this morning? So with the sound of rain last night, you said you felt very still? Ah, so you felt more, more, more centered in yourself and stiller. Hearing, pleasant, enjoying, stable, clear, enjoying, enjoying. Enjoying. <laughs> that's all that's happening. It's good. Um, three questions. You could answer any one of the three or none at all. One, one at a time. Okay, one at a time. <laughs> um, when, when looking at intentions, right? Yes. What, sh- what shape do they take in terms of, is it like a thought or is it a feeling in the body? Both? Or is there a difference between impulse and intention? The question is about intention. I had offered him the instruction in paying attention to the impulse in the mind when you're about to do something, when you're about to shift your posture, you're about to open your eyes, you're about to swallow, you're about to turn to look at the bulletin board, and things like that, as a way of kind of revealing or answering the question, who's doing this? Who's being mindful anyway? And until we notice intentions and what conditions the intention, it seems like me. But once you start looking at intentions, okay. Um, So we sometimes use the word intention. We sometimes use the word impulse in the mind. And we sometimes, you know, just talk about the about to moment when you're about to. You can feel the, the, the upsurge of energy either in the mind or the body. So it is not as distinct as a sensation in the, in the body. It's not a sensation because it's a mental phenomena. It's also not as clearly articulated as a thought. Sometimes we do you know, run through thoughts and arrive at an understanding of our motivation for doing something. I'm going to do this in order that I can get back to the sitting. I'm going to go to my room, you know, change my clothes, and not go for my run in order to get back to... Okay, so there's a motivation thing, and then you leave. Well, that's a thought process. That's a little different than what I'm pointing to. I'm really pointing to the, the first upsurge of energy in the mind that starts you on the, on the path of movement or statue on the path of changing directions. And, and that's just like a... And say it again? How do you... So that's not a feeling in the body, it's not a thought, it's just a, an observant energy. And it may... It, it will condition sensation in the body. So I'll give an example. Sometimes you're sitting and you're really still and you go, you have, to, you have to watch this one. You go, like you almost reached for an, an itch, to scratch an itch, you go. What actually happened is 
there was the impulse, but you noticed it before it got before you carried through with, you know, and you just caught it quickly. So okay, can let it go. So it's really an energetic, like that. Sometimes it's much subtler than that too. Yeah. Was that three questions? Oh. Okay, I'm, I'm going to come back to you if nobody else has questions. Uh, you gave an instruction this morning that I missed because my mind was wandering. Uh, it was just before you said something about pay attention to the length of something, and I just missed that, what you were talking about at that point. Pay attention to how long the mind wanders. No. <laughs> I, you're asking the wrong person. I have no idea what else. <laughs> What I said. You can listen to the tape. Uh, well, at the just, to, uh, just to clarify, what, what's the relationship between paying attention to defilements and paying attention to my object, say my breath? So how much effort should or not effort should I be putting into either one? Sure. If, if a defilement arises in relationship to anything, you know, either how you're practicing with a lot of striving or, you know, some discomfort in the body, conditioning, aversion, and that's the defilement. If a defilement arises, pay attention to that. That's the preeminent thing to pay attention to. Forget the sensations, forget the breath, forget everything else. If there's a defilement in the mind, that's what you want to be attending to. Right? Okay. Yeah. Who is watching the watching? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to answer this question from two directions. I'm going to answer the content of the question. I'm going to answer the question, but I'm also going to respond to the question from a practice point of view, and that's what I'm going to do first. When you find yourself asking the question. Who's watching? And who's watching the watching? This is questioning. This is the activity of questioning, or curiosity, or maybe, maybe it's fueled by doubt. But when that kind of question happens, if you get involved in the content, really trying to answer it, you stop practice. If you notice it as a process of questioning or wondering, then wondering is happening, questioning is happening. Does it stay? Does it go? Does it, what happens to it? Keep an eye on it. Because actually that's a defilement. It's a defilement. Which defilement? Well, it's wondering, it's doubt, it's questioning. You know, it's desire to know, really, right? Desire to know. And if you don't see that defilement, you'll, really, you'll get entangled in it and try to answer the question. Now the answer to the question is, From a theoretical point of view, mindfulness, knowing, mindfulness, right? Awareness of awareness or awareness of mindfulness. And you're not the initial mindfulness and you're not the secondary mindfulness, if you will. It, as you know, because we tell ourselves to be mindful 
and the mind goes off and does its own thing. And then when we're not even paying attention, we're just lost in some daydream, mindfulness arises and, and, and cuts off our daydream. So clearly, we are not mindfulness, or mindfulness is not me. Right? It's, it's another adventitiously arising phenomena of the mind that arises due to causes and conditions. Not your intention, not who you are. Okay. The woman just behind you, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean by, can you say, or what do you mean by causes and conditions? Oh, who's, who's asking the question? Okay. Sorry. Well, I was, I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Yeah, you. Um, I, maybe it's because I'm an artist, I have a very visual mind, and I found the less restless I get, the more I'm able to fair, sit fairly still and try to kind of work through some pain that... I get these visualizations. So, like last night, I, I spent a lot of time sailing, so I kind of thought, like, I was on a mooring and sort of tethered to the mooring, and the mooring was the breath. And then What's a mooring? Uh, like a, a big bobby anchor thing hanging out in the water. So I felt like I was sort of tethered to that, and and the boat was kind of moving around sure. into different places. And yeah. I didn't know if that was too distracting, but I thought it's more like an anchor, so I felt like it was okay. Yeah. But then today, I was sort of in this very peaceful, wonderfully anchored place. And then I thought, well, where are those defilements? And I went on like an Easter egg hunt looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's a pink one. I wonder what's inside. And I thought, maybe this is kind of distracting and not at all. So I just wasn't sure how to go about that because it's like trying to see. And then also, someone else had said, like last night, the rain was so pleasant, and I sure. kept thinking, it's really pleasant, and people moving, it doesn't bother me, it's totally neutral, um, maybe that's having had a near-death experience, like the little stuff just I don't care about, sure. but I'm having a hard time finding and recognizing the bigger stuff without this sort of crazy Alice in Wonderland. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too much for me to repeat, <laughs> but let me just say that she was commenting on how sometimes an image, a, an image will arise in the mind that seems to reflect what your experience is, something like that. Hmm? But sometimes the image goes from being a, a snapshot, an initial, you know, something that helps kind of connect you to what's going on. But then if you, if you get into the image and follow the image too far, it just becomes Alice in Wonderland fantasy. I mean, it's just off thinking. Okay. Uh, you, you notice it visually, because you're an artist, you, you think. But anyway, you notice it visually. Others, others of you who will maybe notice that music or sounds reflect to you what's going on in the body, mind, or some other experience. For example, as I mentioned somewhere, I, I've listened to a lot of Grateful Dead. I've listened to more Grateful Dead in Burma than I ever went to concerts here, but nevertheless. <laughs> but what I would notice is I'd be sitting and I'd get into a zone, I'd get zoned, zoned in, and I'd be lost in the interior of noticing what's going on. And some lyrics would come through the mind and grab my attention and 
perfectly reflect exactly what was going on in the body-mind at that time. How'd that happen? Or at other times, I'd be sitting and, and get lost in some interior space, and a vision would appear in the mind. And if I got fascinated with the vision, of course, I was just thinking. But if I took the vision, saw the vision, it would reflect, it would point to the experience in the body that I was not aware of. For example, sitting, when uh, a lot of lightness of mind and a lot of piti, we call piti, lightness of mind where the mind and the body are just like levitating and floating and just having a wonderful time. I didn't recognize it. I mean, as nice as it is, I didn't recognize it. Until I kept getting these images of like hawks and eagles just soaring in the air. And I'd look at them and go, wow. And then I'd realize, oh, that's what I feel like. That's what it feels like in the body now. So I think we have, different people have different ways of recognizing the interior of the mind, sometimes visually, sometimes kinesthetically, sometimes audibly. So take the cue, recognize what's going on within. The image you come up with, the sound that you come up with, the lyrics you come up with, not important. What's important is recognizing the interior space that has been pointed to or been recognized. Yeah, images and metaphors and things like that are good for, to make a point, but not to tell the whole story. Yeah. Yes, I've been um, dealing with uh, a lot of old fear that's been coming up sure. the last few sittings. And uh, last night when we worked with the love and kindness meta practice, yesterday I found after I'd gone through a very uh, visceral experience of fear this morning uh, that coming back to the loving kindness was very helpful to me, to comforting, um, to soothe me from, uh, from that frightening experience. And I remember, I think Kamala was saying yesterday that mixing the two practices was a good, uh, okay thing to be doing to help myself process. Just wanted to check on that. That it's, that it's okay to go back and forth through the practice. So the comment is about uh, using metta as a, a support for, in this case, uh, intense fear. And uh, can you go back and forth using the two different practices? Of course, sure. We often separate them in the, in the teaching of them and say, here's, here's Vipassana, here's mindfulness leading to Vipassana, here's mindfulness of metta, and really separating them and keeping the instructions separate so that you can have a clear understanding of how to practice metta. Not just kind of a mishmash thing where there's a little metta and a little this and a little that and a little mantra and a little this and that. No, it's not that. Just get a really clear, and that's why we give a few days of metta moving on to equanimity, where it's just equanimity. But in the end, it's a tool in your meditator's toolbox to use when necessary, or when helpful, or when you choose. So, yes, it's good to use that way. I wouldn't be 
quick to jump on the metta or to, to turn to metta every time you feel some aversion or some fear or something and just go, oh, there's some fear, I better go do metta. Because we also want to learn the nature, about the nature of fear. We want to learn how it is, what is the nature of fear, how do we get hooked by it, what's the story of it, what's it feel like, so that through that understanding, sometimes when fear arises, through understanding, it, we can see it dissolve, we can release it, so to speak, not needing to go to metta. But metta is a good antidote, or it's a good support for opening to all forms of aversion. Okay, there's a lot of questions, but there's also time moves on. <laughs> so we'll be doing uh, check-ins again. Make sure you check the board and please keep the time. It's been good so far. Um, we have two practice leaders. We need a practice leader for the 2.15 sitting this afternoon. Someone will take that. Yeah? Okay, thank you very much. And anything else? Practice is going well. I don't know if you've noticed it, but I know you all have your own internal <laughs> dramas. But actually the hall is really, really quieted down a lot. And people are moving about much more mindfully. And it's much stiller. So I, I just want to encourage you to notice that and just drop in. Just, just drop into your own process, your own experience, just a little more. Uh, not... not clamping down in any way, but just allow yourself to relax and slow down and just kind of be a little more continuously present. There's more to be seen. And, you know, enjoy, enjoy the discovery. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.